Hey, Kansas City. Welcome to episode 57 of the Made in KC podcast. Today is the 113th day since Kansas City, Missouri's stay-at-home order was announced. I'm Tyler Enders. I'm Keith Bradley. And I'm Thomas McIntyre. Today, we'll be talking sports and unemployment. All right. Well, today is going to be a short one. We have some trips, some very short trips, but some long day trips this week. And so because of that, this is going to be a little short. Also, we've realized that so much has happened, but so little has happened, and that the news today seems to be the same news as last week and the week before and the week before. It's not quite a Groundhog Day situation, but it sort of feels kind of kind of close. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the new things we have going on, and I really feel like that is just playing such an important role just kind of in our mental and business health to have all these different things to look forward to because the new cycle, for better or worse, is largely the same right now. And I think a lot of things around Kansas City are going to largely be the same for a while. Um, but the fact that we've got new things coming and we're kind of still moving and shaking, I think is really, really good for us as well as for the community. Totally agree. So we decided we'd talk a little bit about unemployment. We've got two weeks left until the $600 per week additional federal unemployment benefit expires. And Thomas has a new solution for us. Well... I'm not sure it's a solution because as I explained it to you guys, I started to see all the issues with it. But I've, I've from the beginning, as have many, uh, have not been a huge fan of the fact that the what is seemingly a stimulus dollar amount has been tied to unemployment and therefore it is adding to the amount of unemployment we're seeing and disincentivizing people from getting back to work and causing challenging conversations between owners and employees of businesses and getting back to work, uh, which we've seen firsthand. And so I've always wanted to be separated. Challenge there is, as we discussed it, is my ideal situation uh, would be that instead of extending the additional amount being paid to individuals who file for unemployment, instead it would be another stimulus check that goes out across the board and is divided up into three amounts over a fixed period of time. Uh, This would allow for a known dollar amount to be coming in that would then cause people to feel comfortable spending that amount that does come in because they know what's going to happen. If just one stimulus check comes and another one is potentially going to come or not going to come, people are going to hold tight to that money in all likelihood uh, until they know more information. So I think a long-term plan that's detailed with dollar amounts um, that's spread to everybody and it's not tied to unemployment would be the ideal situation now if you're paying everybody not just those that are unemployed unemployment rate being what high teens right now that's a much smaller population than everybody and so the amount of money being spent certainly increases uh, but long term could be a better solution because it'd be no need to extend it again and again and again and you could still do it like the stimulus where it was based upon previous income, so it's not going to everyone, right. but yes, you're giving it to more people than unemployment currently right. does. Yeah, so that's that's what I like to see happen versus just keeping the unemployment thing going. And again, I realize if someone's offered work, then they're no longer allowed to receive unemployment, uh, but that just adds a mess and confusion to, to the business owners uh, for having to go through and denying someone unemployment, which doesn't feel good uh, if, if somebody chooses not to work. And then it also takes that population of people who currently aren't employed from going out and looking for work. 
because uh, I believe right now that component, that box to check that says are you actively looking for work isn't a requirement for the unemployment at the moment. And Correct. so you're you're not incentivized to get out and look. You're just going to sit at home as long as this check keeps coming, potentially. Yeah. So if I understand your perspective correctly, you like the result of what unemployment does in terms of getting money into people's pockets so that they continue to make their payments and can put food on the table, et cetera. But unfortunately, if there were someone out there who, let's say, they worked at an entertainment venue that doesn't have concerts anymore, and so they're able to receive unemployment, but they actually want to go back to work, but they know that if they go back to work, they're going to be making less money than what they're receiving in unemployment. If they were to receive a set stimulus check every couple months or every couple weeks or whatever it might be, they then could still come back into the workforce, add value for all of society, all of the economy, and make money. Whereas right now, that person might say, why would I go to do that when I'm going to be making less money, even though they might feel safe working? Yeah. And I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to suggest. So unemployment is intended to be a bridge uh, between employment problems that is not a livable wage, but hopefully you had some savings and this allows you to get by until the next job comes. Right now is a much different climate than normal. And I would not suggest that that's going to solve anybody's problems right now. Uh, but I don't think that we should adjust what unemployment is because of the climate. I think we should have a different solution, which is the stimulus check that then is in combination with um, people getting unemployment uh, to keep things less muddied right now. So that's one solution, and it's worth talking about now because we've, as we said, have about two weeks until something either will or will not happen. What do you guys predict? Do you think that we're going to see Stimulus checks, do you think we're going to see an extension of unemployment? Is there going to be more PPP stimulus? Yeah, I think there'll be, you know, I think there will be an extension of unemployment right now. That would be the, for lack of a better term, the most convenient and easiest thing to do since all those kind of systems are already in place. I think the fear that if in two weeks that runs out, then there's going to be a pretty significant reaction to that, whether that's through the stock market or through some other economic indicators that will be negative um, if it's not extended or nothing else is announced. I think the biggest thing that I kind of heard you say a couple of times, Thomas, that I've been thinking about is the, is the words like uncertainty and certainty. And we're in such uncertain times and that people need certainty. They need some sort of um, thing to hold on to to move into the future and to move so confidently. And right now, we just lack that on so many fronts, this being a really significant one for, you know, roughly um, roughly rounding up 20% of the working force who's now unemployed. And so I think they're going to need to extend it. Um, I wish they would make that announcement kind of now. Um, we kind of learned that from our own experience with some of our employees and hazard pay, just the uncertainty, is it going to be extended or not, just knowing that it is or isn't. Uh, makes all the difference for how people behave and, and like that. So that's what I think is going to happen. But I do think my biggest kind of concern or fear or question I have is I don't think right now, based on what we've been talking about and seeing, that there are the same number of jobs to return back to right now. We know that's not, not the case. And so if those benefits do get declined or reduced to maybe incentivize people to go back to work, we're not going to have those jobs. And uh, we're going to kind of create a little bit of a negative negative feedback loop. What I like about that potential solution, though, is that you have a competitive job market, which is good. The bad problem would be that you'd see downward wage pressure because employers would have more people to pick from. But in an ideal world, I don't think everyone's going to rush back to work because some people will say, great, the stimulus is sufficient for me. I'm making more money than I was making uh, before when I was employed. But then those people who really are 
ready to get out of their house, who feel that they can work in a safe way, who want to do that, can then go make money on top of their stimulus. And so I, I love the idea. Yeah, Keith and I agree that there could be less, or there are like, there are definitely less jobs to go to right now. Uh, but I do think that those unemployment numbers will be more telling uh, without this extra layer of funding being included in it. Uh, we'll get a more pure set of data points. And then additionally, uh, I do, we hadn't talked about this, but I do think the PPP funds, um, they loosen some of those restrictions, which I think for the first round makes sense because of the timeline wasn't what we thought it was going to be when they originally given out. But now that things are allowed to be open, whether they should be or not, they are. If we were to do another round of PPP with tight restrictions in terms of forcing people to hit certain employment rates, uh, use X amount of funds for employees only, that would make sense now because people are open, people are functioning. If we were to help have a help with payroll going forward, we would keep more jobs. Um, there'd be more productive citizens in the workforce as a result because companies are bringing people back to pay them to use these PPP funds. Uh, so I think a combination of stimulus and then a PPP fund that is strict, again, on the employment side uh, could be a good combination with more known factors going forward. Good reminder, I saw a Bloomberg graph, I think it was earlier this week, that charted temporary unemployment on you know maybe a weekly basis and then permanent unemployment on a weekly basis. Might have been monthly basis, might have been biweekly. And uh, the idea was that, and I don't know if this was through self-reporting or what, but this I liked the story it told. So it, originally we saw a ton of temporary unemployment, a lot of places closing immediately and having to furlough people or lay people off. But what we're starting to see, and it was a, originally a small amount, was what we had originally called that second wave of unemployment. And it's those firms that have higher paying salaried jobs that were kind of hit in the second wave of the coronavirus economic effect. And so restaurants got late, get um, closed, restaurants can't pay their bills to marketing firms. So it's those ad firms, it's that second tier of businesses. And we're starting to see an increase there. And that's something that we'll have to watch. Again, I still would say that unemployment is about 25%, even though it's being reported at about 10, 10 points less than that. Keith, I was in a meeting with you earlier today talking about new hires from Made in KC. Do you want to just quickly shed some light on what our, what our hiring has, has looked like and if it's been any different than usual? You know, the only honestly, the only difference that I've noticed thus far is that in the handful of interviews we've done, it has been people who um, have just recently relocated back to Kansas City from other bigger cities as a res- kind of a result of the, the pandemic. So that's been kind of very interesting. We see that a little bit, um, obviously, being, being Kansas City and, and smaller, but these are people specifically who are relocating from the pandemic, and they're trying to piece together at least two different jobs with, mm. with ours being one of those. So that's kind of been the notice. But there hasn't been – it hasn't been extremely difficult to find applicants right now, which I thought it would be. Um, so we're, we're kind of in good shape there. But um, I think that's kind of been the, the, biggest, the biggest difference. I do like what I, I do like what you're saying. I think where you do need like a still a multi-pronged approach to get out of this mess. Like one on the on the pandemic side, you know, mandate mask wearing across the country. I think would one of the be the most significant things we can do for health and the economy simultaneously. Obviously, finding a vaccine, but then some sort of uh, adjustment with unemployment or a stimulus check, and I think some more continued funding, uh, whether that's through forgivable loans or really cheap interest rates for businesses so that we can kind of ride out with more certainty 
for the rest of the year. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, I think even if you did a very friendly loan to small businesses right now, I mean, I can transparently we would take we would do something that was a low interest rate with a good term to make sure that we're in good shape for the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, obviously that's what the EIDL funds are. Um, so by doing something like that again, and then even having a lower interest rate because it's required to be used for uh, payroll because I mean, that's an expensive to pay no matter what, if we can pay it um, to help kind of cushion our loss sales. So there's lots of different options. You know, Early on, I was kind of against how much burden was putting being put on the small business owner. I think now, as we've kind of navigated this, uh, I can see some sense in that that's a good place to start and allocate funds and that that gets distributed amongst lots of different avenues, not just individuals, but other businesses that we work with and things like that. So the pandemic's hit people, industries differently, as we've talked about. Home improvement stores have been doing really well. Lumber's been in short supply. Prices are up 50% or something on wholesale lumber. Do you guys have any examples of, you know, notable people who haven't been hit hard by the pandemic or impacted? (laughs) Uh, You know, a couple of people come to mind who just definitely uh, are no longer, you know, worried about unemployment for the foreseeable future. Number one on that list being being Patrick Mahomes and his half, roughly half a billion dollar contract, which is just just astounding. And to kind of contrast us being in one of the worst recessions uh, since the Great Depression, and then at the same time, uh, our you know storied favorite quarterback getting the highest sports contract essentially in history by many measures. Um, super happy for him. Super happy for the city, which is kind of really interesting. Um, what's the word there? That dichotomy contrast. Yeah. Um, yeah, between kind of the the haves and the have nots. Yeah, and it's. I was reading a little more into it. It's a more complicated contract than I realized, obviously, in terms of there's two years left of the existing contract. So that contract we're not talking about doesn't start for another two years from now, right? And it's a, actually a 12-year con extension, and it's a ridiculous marriage between a player and a city and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, so Jess and I talked about the contract, and she was just appalled that anybody gets paid that much <laughs> to play sports, which I think is going to be a pretty common response and a very valid response. Then you kind of go through what that's going to do for the city, potentially, and the other players it'll bring in, and the economic activity as a result, and you know some pretty brilliant minds did the spreadsheet of what got to that valuation, what that contract is for Patrick Mahomes. And I, yeah, I'm happy for him. I think I think uh, it's weird to say in a long-term contract, but you get what you pay for in terms of talent like that. And I think that's that's why we did it. I'm I'm pro it. I deep down was hoping that he would come out and kind of do a Tom Brady, or kind of do a <laughs> hey I don't I don't need that much. Let's save some of this money for some other players. But he had no need to do that or anything like that. But that's sort of been a cool story. Somehow they're still able to sign Chris Jones today to a long term contract, which is yeah. great. Great for the defense. They, got, great for the they team. must have gotten a good PPP loan, man. <laughs> <laughs> so will Pat Mahomes be throwing the ball this year? In terms of the NFL functioning uh, in a... Yeah. Do you think that we actually get to the point, based upon collegiate teams struggling to field their yeah. football teams and some um, entire conferences calling it quits on football, do you think that he will be playing this year? I'm still optimistic. My optimism is just kind of still riding the high from, from this year's Super Bowl, I think, and just wanting to... like. That's always been kind of... Uh, 
a return to normalcy that I've had in my head ever since this started was that, you know, in the fall, things will be different. Maybe we'll get some things under control. Um, it certainly feels less, way less certain now, the closer that we get with, you know, training camp right around the corner, um, with, um, baseball, MLS, NBA, kind of having some of their early struggles. Um, I do think a lot of great plans have been put in place to mitigate risk, but nothing is, nothing is risk-free. I'm not fully up to date on what the NFL's plans are as of now. I don't think they've actually been, been fully announced to, to the public, but I do like the direction so far that these other major leagues are going. And so that does make me hopeful. Um, and also kind of think in some sense the NFL is kind of in the sports world too big, too big to fail. Um, but I remember when all the MLB rules came out, some player tweeted something to the effect of, great, but what happens when we get sick? And with the idea being that there are all these preventative measures, but not a big focus on what happens when someone tests positive, which inevitably will and has happened. I feel as though for a sports league to successfully navigate this because we are the U.S. and because we don't have low enough case rates, we kind of have to build a system where we anticipate people getting sick and that you'd have to build your team and build the season around the idea that, okay, we know people are going to get sick. Here's how we're going to quarantine people and treat people and try to soldier on if, if that's what they're trying to do. Not saying that's the right thing to do, but I think that some of the leagues and whether that, again, is at the collegiate level or even high school level, I think there's been too much blind optimism that they could get through a season by just being very careful and just hoping that no one would get sick. Yeah, it's kind of the same conversation about having around the, the school starting, which we'll save for another episode. But the idea that someone gets sick or then three people get sick and the reaction being like, see, we told you so, you're messed up. Um, and maybe more the response being, no, no, yeah, yes, this was a known situation and here's how we're going to go about handling it. I just don't know what that looks like, what that solution is. And uh, a known, if you're like knowing people are going to get sick, then are you being negligent in the liability of risking people's lives since we know this can be a deadly disease and that if the real risk factor is anybody can get sick, uh, then what's the level of acceptance of, of that? I think the NBA and the MLB and the MLS, it's all going to hinge on how those go. And so I think if we have a successful run at those professional sports that have in fact started, uh, the NFL can move forward. I also, Keith and I have talked before about the idea. I think it would be really cool for NFL if they required players to play offense and defense. So this would be the first year to institute that. So it would be like soccer style. <laughs> so you reduce half the team essentially. You so keep the full risk. roster. Oh, you keep the full roster? But you have your starting – so you have like four lines of players. <laughs> and so quarterback would be the one exception, I think, that you don't have to have them out there playing defense. But your safeties, your wide receivers, so on and so forth. And so every player has to do everything. It can be really interesting to do it that way. But <laughs> a signing that did not make as much news that came a week after Patrick Mahomes signing was that uh, the Kansas City Chiefs also re-signed backup quarterback Matt Moore. So that's that's part of their coronavirus plan. I think yeah. he, he proved himself. We can put him back on the field if if Mahomes gets get sick. I mean, I do think that the other part of this too is, well, obviously the, controlling the spread in any way, shape, or form is super important. So far, what we've seen with these professional athletes, whether it's Salvador Perez, who's contracted coronavirus from the Royals, is they've, they haven't gotten very sick, which is just a good thing. But so far, they've been fairly asymptomatic or mild symptoms, and uh, many have already returned to play um, after their quarantine. And so I think that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of watch is 
um, will will they get sick? Is it really uh, yeah? Or it makes all the sense in the world to make decisions based on a population spread. base. Like obviously, retirement homes are making decisions based on their population base being super high risk, and so the same thing can be said for making decisions on a. Uh, what has so far proven to be a pretty low risk population of healthy younger individuals. So I do think that plays into it, or I think it should play into it. Um, it's again, it's so hard to have these conversations. It, any part of you is trying to like belittle the seriousness of the, the disease um, for the sake of sports entertainment, but it is a massive part of um, people's lives, economy, all those kinds of things. And so it's, it's something that's worth trying in my opinion. But I do think the three or however many professional sports that have started will be will pave the path for the next round of NFL, NHL, all those. I think NHL's actually started too. Yeah, was about to. Yeah. So, all right. Well, hopefully it happens. Okay, so we are headed on a driving trip on Friday, going up to Omaha. We're gonna do it in one day, right? Yep. Yep. Leave Five er- hours in the car. Leave early. Get back um, and set up our. Made in Omaha, our second location. Actually, it's going to be in uh, downtown Old Market. Pretty excited for it. The first location has been a success. More in a suburban type area. Uh, Countryside Village is the name of the center uh, that we're in there. It's 800 square feet. Not too dissimilar from our first Made in KC location. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting to have some growth in a different city uh, with a new location. Yeah, we have an awesome team up there. They've been doing a really good job. People ask us all the time why we aren't in other cities. The only reason we're in Omaha is because we had an existing relationship with the group that are our partners for Made in Omaha. And they had just so many good relationships with creatives and makers and artists in Omaha. So we'll be going up to help a little bit for the day with the opening, which is happening later that uh, day or week. And then if you haven't been up there, highly recommend it. It's such a nice short trip and they have tons of good food tons of good restaurants tons of good bars don't know what it looks like right now how much of the city is closed down i do think that it was a little bit um that the lockdown was a bit more severe and not by mandate but by just the way that omaha businesses reacted i don't know if it's the way the public reacted but based upon our partners up there the way they described things things got pretty sleepy and pretty quiet in a good way and so our Made in Omaha shop stayed closed much longer in Omaha than our Made in KC shops were in Kansas City. Well, besides that, do we have anything else? No, just some quick math on the Mahomes salary. It would uh, be, if, if it's not, this is not how it actually works out, but for the sake of explaining it, $500 million over 10 years, $50 million a year, which is $1,900,000, essentially $2 million per paycheck. Based on a forty-hour, well, based on a twenty-six uh, bi-weekly paycheck, and then yeah, if you do, if each paycheck is essentially eighty hours, which most people's paychecks are, it's twenty-four thousand dollars an hour. It's pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, Pat. Congratulations! If you're listening, we'd love to have you on as a guest sometime. <laughs> uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can email us at hello at madeinkc.co or tweet us at madeinkc underscore. Um, especially if you're Patrick Mahomes. Thank you. Thanks.